Most people would consider this illegal. 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 Since we are the best and you agree with me, right? No need to debate. All right, we're back. The Great Debaters on the Fan Factor 5 Network. Mike Snow, sports game for free. You better get you some. Derek Chun, the great 49er grinder. What's up, D? Ready for week seven? Yo, yo, what's going on, Mike? Man, I'm ready. Week seven. I can't believe it's flying by. I know, man. We got a lot to unpack in, in this week's show, man. We're going to dive deep into week seven, break down the games, get some winners, some losers, and of course, we're going to do a congratulate and hate debate. Stay tuned because in segment two, we're going to break down all the teams for the Bay Area, the Bay Area sports fans. We're going to get into detail of week seven games for the San Francisco 49ers and your Las Vegas Raiders. So buckle up because this is going to be a crazy week seven review. It's some great games, though. I've seen a lot of good games for week seven. Definitely the games that we have as far as for our respective teams. Like I said, the San Francisco 49ers and the Las Vegas Raiders. But there's two that I really want to get into that seem hard hitting, um, seem like one of the best matchups of the weekend. One is going to be the 5-0 Pittsburgh Steelers against the 5-0 Tennessee Titans. I mean, this could actually determine who's going to be the AFC champion or the top seed in the AFC. You got the Chiefs that may definitely have something to say about that, but this definitely will be a primetime game for NFL fans and just fans of, of all sorts, man. This is going to be a great game. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steel Curtain, Blitzburg. I mean, the team's defense is menacing right now. You got four players that rank in the top six in quarterback pressures. Bud Dupree is second in quarterback pressures. I mean, he's got forced fumbles. You got T.J. Watt. That's actually the best defensive end in the league. He's got 13 uh, quarterback pressures. He's third. He has an interception. He's got 2.5 sacks. He's rated on PPF as the best edge rusher. Stephon Tuitt is six tied for six with quarterback pressures and Cameron Hayward is actually also tied for six with pressures. Then they got a lineman, Vince Williams, that leads the lead in tackles for loss with six. The Steelers right now is second in total team defense. They're first in uh, pass defense. They're second against, I'm sorry, they're second against pass and first against the run. A true nightmare just on defense. Ben, Big Ben is playing excellent right now, but it's really the defense that's anchoring them. But I'll tell you, the on the other side of the ball, the opponent, the Tennessee Titans, they got a nightmarish type of dude, too, and that's Derrick Henry, man. I mean, six in PPF. He leads the league in rushing right now, 588 yards. He's had a 94-yard run. He will stiff-arm you unconscious. I mean, some of his stiff arms are legendary, especially the one that you see against Josh Norman last week. I can also remember the stiff arm that he had in the playoffs against the Ravens and Earl Thomas when he pretty much knocked him right out of, out of bounds. Ryan Tannehill has been lights out. I mean, been one of the best quarterbacks since he's become the starting quarterback. Seventh in QBR. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him the fourth best quarterback. I mean, this team is just blue collar. They'll run the ball down your throat. They'll play action pass. Ryan Tannehill will get mobile, and he's actually one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, even though you don't look at him as a mobile quarterback. So, Derek, what's your insights in this game? How do you see this game uh going out with the 5-0 Steelers, the 5-0 Titans. Hit everything right on the head. This is a big game. This is a battle of two 5-0 teams battling it out for, you know, possibly AFC supremacy. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, um, it is time for us to put some respect on that man's name. He has totally resurrected his career ever since he got to Tennessee. Derrick Henry is, is just a, a mammoth of a man. I tell you what, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. You know what I think would be fire is I want to see Derrick Henry and Aaron Donald go heads. If that's not two freight trains right there. <laughs> I got to thinking about that the other day, you know, because that, that Josh Norman uh, or that, that stiff arm on Josh Norman is going to go down in history. I think we'll all be watching that for the next 40 years or so. That was just <laughs> a, uh, a uh, 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 clinic that he put on as far as, you know, uh, the stiff arm and, and just a, a real get off me type moment. So an exciting thing, the Steelers, man, um, they look good too. You know, I, I think getting back to, to Tennessee for a second is 
I feel like in the beginning of the game, when you watch their first couple of wins, I was not really big on this team. And I thought, you know, they're just going to kind of be a grinded out, you know, beat you at the in the fourth quarter last possession type team kind of like they were last year but Tannehill's out there throwing touchdowns he's lighting it up uh, they do have a good defense I'll tell you what Mike Vrabel has got to be up for coach of the year this year Mike Vrabel has his guys ready to play every Sunday but ultimately man I think this Steeler defense is special uh, I think that you know, a big part of this game is going to be getting pressure on Tannehill, which, as you already outlined, that is something that they have been big on this year is rushing the passer. They are really collapsing that pocket. They are collapsing it quick. Now, Ryan Tannehill, he's no statue in there. Um, he, he's not going to just be hanging around in there and, and stuck flat-footed like Baker Mayfield. He is mobile. He can get outside the pocket and make every throw. But I like the Steeler defense. I think where they have been a little bit susceptible, though, is against the pass. I mean, we saw Travis Fulcom catch 10 balls against the Steelers. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, I'll, I'll tell you what, Mike Tomlin, Big Ben, that Steeler D, give me the Steelers in this game to go to six and zero. Hmm, interesting, interesting. I, I could definitely see that that defense is hard to stop. They come from every which way. That three four weird zone blitzing where you don't know who's coming, but they got four or five, six people coming at one time, and then having you know a guy like Micka Fitzpatrick in the background. That's just a all out playmaker, a baller, a ball hawk will get it and go to the house with it. They're a very hard team. But just like you were saying with Mike Drable, I mean, a coach just like Mike Tomlin um, that you'll run through a brick wall for, he's a guy that's played in the league, won championships, you know, with the Patriots, was a great linebacker, even better tied in, maybe some people would think. But just a guy that looks like um, a person that you would want to play for, that, that players want to play for as a coach. And is just blue collar and ready to – put your nose in the ground. You know, this one is going to be a great game, but I got something that I want to get into. This is the great debaters. I want to debate something with you and, and, and DJ Tony, you know, cue up the music. Let's get it. So with this, with this particular game, what do you see as far as which team, the five and all Titans or the five and all Steelers, which team do you see may be the top AFC team when it's all said and done, starting with the playoffs or possibly even could be the AFC championship or champion. Which one do you see out of this, these two? I'm going to have to go with the Steelers without a doubt. I know that Mike Vrabel has played in Super Bowls. I know that the Titans were one game away from the Super Bowl last year. But give me the Steelers, led by Mike Tomlin, two-time Super Bowl champion. Big Ben Roethlisberger, two-time Super Bowl champion. They've got the weapons. They've got a, a kind of a run game by committee. I know Connor is their bell cow, but they do have Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels as well. And again, like I said in the first segment, this defense, I just think that, you know, when we get into these later months here and it's cold and you got to go to Pittsburgh and play, I just think that the pedigree is there, the experience is there. And ultimately, I feel that Mike Tomlin and Big Ben with that pedigree, that Super Bowl pedigree, that they will be able to get it done. Again, taking nothing away from Tennessee, I think Tennessee is a team that is really on the rise. I just kind of think Pittsburgh, that defense is built to win now. And I think the way that they get after the quarterback, the way that they put the pressure on, the sacks, and we saw, you know, first drive of the game last week against Baker Minka with the pick six. They just have too many playmakers and too many weapons. Now, I do know uh, Devin Bush going out with the ACL is going to be a yeah. big hit to that defense, especially in the middle. But with Bud Dupree and J.J. Watt rushing the passer, I like Pittsburgh to make a deep, deep run in this year. I kind of think that they they just uh, – there's something about them this year. I think it's a special team. I'm, I'm rocking with the Steelers. Got you. I mean, it's a great pick, man, but I'd have to totally disagree with you on that one. I'm going Titans. I think the Titans are built for the Super Bowl. They're built like a Super Bowl type team to be in the later months, to be in the cold months, to be able to, you know, strive and churn out wins, you know, when it may, the weather may not be as good because they got that, you know, all world Star Wars looking type of running back that 
is just the machine, you know, T2, Terminator, Destroyer, that they can just keep giving him the ball. I mean, it just really looks like that no matter what defense that they go up against, he's just unstoppable. You just, he'll, he'll eventually break you down. The biggest thing that I have as far as with Pittsburgh that I see as far as um, possibly a weakness is I'm not sure about Big Ben yet. He's definitely somebody that's been injury prone the last couple of years. He seems to wear down um, as the season goes on. He, you know, didn't play almost all of last year. And now coming back this year, he has been kind of stellar against some kind of, you know, mediocre teams. Um, I do see as the, the season goes on, I worry if he'll be able to keep up and to keep um, out of the blue tent to stay off the injury report. I don't know if he'll even be able to make the, the rest of the season. So I could see that being something that'd be a detriment and seeing something that would be hard for the still something that um, they need as far as Big Ben pushing them towards a playoff run. The Titans just seem like they have too many things. And what they're rushing with Ryan Tannehill that actually can rush as a, um, a quarterback was a wide receiver at Texas A&M for one year and one season. So he definitely has some sneaky speed. Uh, he's a person that can get out of the pocket, be very accurate, and definitely is deadly on play-action pass. So if you can't stop the run and can't stop the play-action pass and they just seem like they keep hitting you over and over, um, I don't even see with a menacing D like the Steelers to be able to stop something like the Titans, even if they had to go up against it. Like this, this game, I guess because I'm just so big on the Titans, I'll go with the Titans in this game. Um, I could see them just being able to punish the ball over and over, maybe 30 times, you know, and just being able to stop the Steelers um, and what they like to do. And that's to blitz and to kind of dominate the game and to have you into third and eights and third nines. If you can't get into those because Derrick Henry is running the ball all over the place, it's going to be hard to kind of stop. So I, I see where you're going with that, but I'd have to disagree. I see the Titans being the better team. I see them being a, the team that, might be the AFC class. We'll see what happens with K, um, Kansas City. Let's see what, what they do. But this is, you know, shaping out to be really good as far as in the AFC, as far as matchups. Hopefully my Las Vegas Raiders can be in the mix too, and we'll see what all happens. There's another game that I'm extremely intrigued about, and you might have some vested interest in also, and that's the 5-0 Seahawks against the 4-2 Cardinals, a division game. You know, it's in the NFC West. San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West, you know, they're fighting for supremacy and who's the best. But right now we know that the best of the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is doing his dirt. I mean, they letting him cook and bon appetit. You know what I mean? He's, he's having his best year, MVP type of year, the best as far as I test. And actually statistically, Russell Wilson is at the top of everything. You look at QBR, you look at pro football focus, um, DVOA, he's at the top. He's number one in every particular category. You got his counterpart, Carla Murray, who is actually having an okay year, but he's actually considered the best running quarterback in the league right now. So he's already run for 370 yards this year. Last year, he ran for a total of 544 yards. So he's already got 370 and he's got six touchdowns. The Seahawks, I don't know if you've heard, they're flirting with possibly getting maybe an Antonio Brown. I don't know if that's going to help. But if he does come to the uh, the team and they get him, watch out. So what do you see in this kind of contested matchup between the 4-2 and two Cardinals and the 5-0 and oh Seattle Seahawks? Well, I think this is a real interesting game. And before I dive into it, there's just one thing. I, I just want to hit reverse for one second. And I, and I just want to say this about the Steelers and Titans. Just yeah. something for you to chew on, though, over there. Now, Jarek Henry is a beast. But before that 94-yard run on Sunday against a lowly Texans defense, he hadn't even had a run go over 20 yards yet this season. In contrast, the Pittsburgh Steelers have only given up 18 rushing plays of over five yards this year. 18 rushing plays over five yards this year. That's amazing. That is a crazy statistic. So yeah. I just kind of feel like the Steelers might be that kryptonite to what the Titans want to do. Uh, but moving on, 
this Seahawks Arizona game, big game game. I'm heavily invested in, and actually, you know, I, I've got so many thoughts running through my head. I don't know if you had heard yet, uh, but I, I kind of was gonna save this. I got a two part hate for this week. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. It was with this hand that Kane iced his brother. And I'm hating on the NFL. Um, I don't know if you heard, but the Seahawks in Arizona just got flexed into the Sunday night game, taking your Raiders out of prime time and bumping them up to the one o'clock slot. And I do not like that at all. I like see I like Seattle and Arizona in prime time, but I think that there was an opportunity there to maybe flex. And I know this would become more problematic because you're losing a, a day, but you could have flexed the Rams and the Bears into Sunday afternoon. They are playing in LA on the West Coast. You could have left the Raider game alone and then flexed the Seahawks in Arizona out to Monday night. But I digress. Back to the Seahawks and Arizona game. This is a big game. And Arizona, I think this has shootout written all over it. But let's talk about their four and two record. Two of their those two losses were bad losses, man, in back-to-back weeks against Detroit and against Carolina. And Russell Wilson is coming off of his bye week, and that's a scary thought right now. I've got the Seahawks winning this game. I think it could be a high-scoring affair. Both teams can go over 30. But in the end of the day, I think the Seahawks will win, and and they'll win relatively easily. Yeah, I'm with you on that one 100%. I think um, this may not even be a contest. Uh, Four and two may be an outlier for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, They've had, like you said, some really bad losses. And a couple of their wins, they didn't look – you know, relatively good in a lot of those, especially the defense. The defense is still something that um, is left to be desired. And when you're playing dangerous, Russell, uh, you know, master chef, let him cook, Wilson, um, he's going to carve you up, you know, and, and I don't see it being any other way. I can definitely see this getting into like out of hand stage too. It'll be a shootout, but I can see it getting into like 35, 40 to 23 range where, you know, they cover the spread. I want to say Seattle was maybe three and a half uh, favorites. Yeah, they're three and a half favorites in this one. Um, I bet definitely the over, and I would go for uh, Seattle on this one. Um, Colin Murray is good. His completion percentage is not that good. He's Like I said, he's one of the best running. Actually, he is considered the best running quarterback in the league, but he's only you know completing about 62% of his uh, passes. He hasn't been the best um, – He's been able to be kind of predictable sometimes. Maybe that's the scheme for Kingsbury. We'll see how it goes, but I don't see them being able to stop, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, that offense, um, defense is playing better. I don't see it happening. You know, I can see this going definitely the way of the Seahawks. Um, But great game, though. Uh, One of the great games. I am uh, a little disappointed about them flexing the Raiders out of that spot especially due to what we're going to talk about a little later with the Raiders and the COVID and what's going on with Trent Brown um, testing positive and the offensive line being sent home, Jonathan Abram, the strong safety being sent home. So if we're flexed to an earlier game uh, and those people are not available, you know, no telling what's going to happen. We don't even know if that game will actually be on. No, and, and, and not to cut you off, but actually I just kind of got – it looks like an update here. It looks like all of the Raiders starting offensive linemen have now been put on the COVID list as well as Jonathan Abram is high risk. So at this point, I don't even know how that game can go off. Uh, so to, to flex them up four hours, I don't know what the NFL was thinking there with everything going on. I, I know that they're – there's, you know, some some word out there that maybe the offensive linemen have been getting together without their masks on, which no. has kind of been, you know, breaking the NFL's COVID policy. But that was something that I just got alerted on my phone right now. And that is very disappointing. I think that changes the complexity of this game to no end. And, and it's it's very disappointing there. You got that right, man. And that's probably why they flexed it is because now they probably see the Raiders as an overwhelming um uh, underdog. So they, you know, if they, if they still play without the starting five, I, you know, yuck, I don't even want to watch the game because the starting five is the 
stalwart of the team. You know, that is what makes the team go. It's what makes us a bully. It is our strongest point on the team. So if the starting five is not able to play and they still play that game, I don't want to see any of it, you know. So we'll see how that goes. But little, real quickly, let's jump into a couple other games for some people that want, you know, maybe our betters out there, people that watch other games due to fantasy and see how those go. And we'll go through them quickly. We got the Eagles uh, and the Giants. Eagles look to be a 4.5 favorite. How do you see that one going? Well, Sterling Shepard, it looks like, will be active tonight for the Giants. They're coming off their first win of the season. Eagles, no Miles Sanders, no Zach Ertz. It's a division game. I think it's going to be close, but give me the Eagles. Yeah, I got, I got to go Eagles, too. I mean, I don't see the Giants doing anything this year. They seem to be, you know, looking for that first-round pick. <laughs> so, I got Eagles also. You got Browns. And you got Bengals. This one's an interesting one. Uh, Browns are favored by three. What do you got? Uh, division games are always tough, and the Bengals played. They, they gave the Browns everything they could handle on Thursday night in week two. But I like the Browns to get back on track here. I just think that Joe Burrow is going to need some more time to get it together. I think the Browns are going to have a bounce-back game. I think they'll ride Kareem Hunt. And uh, I'll, I'll take the Browns in this one. Hmm. I think I'm going to go upset. I'm going to go Bengals. I am not a believer of Baker Mayfield. I think he is a faker, fake field. <laughs> um, okay. He just, I mean, they have, you know, the best running um, game in the league. You know, they have, you know, a stall worth of, of running backs and he just can't get it done. Seems like he seems like to be the reason why they're four and two and, you know, they possibly probably could be five and one or even six and oh, but it seems like he's the reason why they've lost two games. Um, Joe Burrow still hasn't figured it out. He's getting better every week, though. I believe this is in Cincinnati. I can see them kind of pulling it off, and I can see the Browns in this one being like on a kind of trajectory of losing games. They lost pretty bad against the Steelers. I can see them getting punched in the mouth in this one and losing, and hopefully that leads into next week's game because I believe they play the Las Vegas Raiders next week. So hopefully that will lead on into that, and they'll be in just disarray. But I can see the Bengals taking this one. Uh, Cowboys over uh, the Washington football team. Cowboys is favored by one, looks like. Yeah, and, and give me the Cowboys. The Cowboys are, are in a get-right spot. I know it has not looked pretty, and it especially looked – really horrible on Monday night with Andy Dalton under center, but we got to remember that this type of season. So the preseason was not, was non-existent as far as the games goes, the off season training camp regimen was different. The number two quarterback rarely gets any snaps in practice with the first team. I know that they knew going into Monday night that Dalton would be the quarterback, but I like the Red Rocket to settle down. I think Zeke Elliott, I can't believe I'm saying that it's already going to be week seven and he doesn't have a 100-yard rushing game this season. He will get it this Sunday. Give me the Cowboys to get back. Yeah, I'd go Cowboys too on this one. I believe they're a sneaky good team, probably better than a lot of people see them. Uh, the Red Rifle, you know, Andy Dalton can definitely lead them to the playoffs. He's led the the Bengals, I believe, four different times, never won, but led them four different times to the playoffs. So he's definitely capable of getting them right to the playoffs. They still have a Super Bowl caliber team. I don't know what's going on with Mike McCarthy. Maybe it's the coaching. Maybe they're looking at Jason um, Garrett and thinking maybe he should be back and maybe they shouldn't have got rid of him. Um, there's been, like, stories of – teammates saying and players saying that they're not adjusting well the coaching is not adjusting well they seem to be lost on certain plays so that doesn't seem like a good thing that seems like a lot of turmoil and it could be if they don't do well this season Mike McCarthy could be one and done but in this game Washington is just not there they don't know where they're going as far as with their quarterback they don't have much Ron Rivera's got cancer he's trying to do treatment and do games um you know, Dwayne Haskins is not looking good. Give me the Cowboys all day. Definitely plus one. What about Lions and Falcons? Lions is uh, favorite two, two and a half on this one. This is another game that I think could be a fun game this weekend, a shootout. 
But give me Matty Ice in the Falcons with Julio back and Dan Quinn out of there. We saw what they did last weekend. I, I like the Falcons in this game. I think, you know, uh, Matt Ryan turns into Matty Ice when he's got Julio on the field with him. And for those three games, he was without him. He was absolutely horrible. The three games with Julio, the Falcons, you know, we've got to remember they, they were ahead in the, in the majority of the losses that they have this year. Give me the yeah. Falcons. Yeah, me too. I see this game probably being the deciding factor on Matt Patricia getting fired probably during the, uh, the uh, week. Um, I can see this one getting out of hand too, even though the, that the Lions are favored by two and a half. Give me the Falcons all day. I'll take the points. Um, the Falcons just seem like a team that they could be a playoff team, but they've had a lot of turmoil and a lot of things happen, you know, with the coach being fired. So um, it hasn't been the best for them, but they definitely can squeak out a bunch of wins. And I see one of this this week being one of those wins. Carolina against the the Saints, a divisional matchup. This couldn't be right. They have uh, – okay, the Saints is favored by seven and a half. Yeah, and I like that. You know what, really not too much for me to say here. Saints at home coming off the bye week. We might even see Michael Thomas for the first time since week one. They did say he's now dealing with a new injury, uh, came up a little limp on a hamstring during practice. He's a fast healer is what they're saying, so there is an opportunity uh, that he may play on Sunday. But either way, give me the Saints. Yeah. Carolina has actually been playing really well. They've um, been better than expected. Teddy Bridgewater is playing extremely well. Um, they don't have Christian McCarthy, so when he comes back, you know, they'll really bolster that offense. They've been better than expected. But if I have to go, and especially if Mike Thomas is going, give me the Saints all day. Um, I probably would not take that point spread. If, if I had to take the point spread, I'd probably go Carolina. But a straight-up matchup, give me the Saints all day. Buffalo and the Jets. Buffalo is favored by 13 and a half. I mean, do we really even have to go over this one? Nothing to say. Bills, they, they just coming off the loss to Kansas City. Um, Bills get back right here in a big way. They'll cover the 13, no problem. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Packers over Texans, or Packers uh, and Texans. Packers is favored by three and a half. Yeah, it's same thing for me here. I know the Packers are going on the road, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers was embarrassed uh, against, you know, that Buccaneer defense. And I think he's going to be playing with the chip on his shoulders. The Texans just, there's so much disarray going on over there with them. I kind of feel bad for Deshaun Watson. He got paid and, you know, don't get me wrong. There's some weapons there but they're just not a good football team. Give me the Packers. Yeah, this is going to be a get-back game for the Packers. They beat up on the Texans as good as possible. Texans just are disarray. Once again, another team fired their coach. Um, don't know really what their offensive plan and scheme is. Don't know where they're going. Um, not sure where they're going as far as with coaching next season and stuff. They may be, you know, rebuilding their whole team over. So, yeah, give me the Packers in this one. It probably won't be close. Um, that's how I see it. There's nothing really to say about that one. So we just ran through all of them. I think we got through everything that we needed to get through, but there were two games that we didn't get to. And you know, the ones, you know why we didn't get to them. Cause we're going to get to them in a second segment. And, and, and actually two. not, not to cut you off, Mike, there, yeah. there was, there was a uh, one game that is not a marquee game, but, but i tell you what, that we did not touch on. Uh, oh. and, and that was, uh, yeah, there, there, there's a, well, there's a couple. Let, let's just, you know, this is a quick one, but you got Chiefs at Broncos. No, really nothing to talk about here. The only question about this game is, will we see Le'Veon Bell? Mm. The, the game that, that's a, a little interesting, and, and just because of um, a little stat that I want to get to, but the Jags are at the Los Angeles Chargers, and the young, exciting quarterback, Justin Herbert, this is going to be his first time playing against a team that did not have either a future Hall of Fame quarterback or a pro bowler. He Ooh. has played Mahomes, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. Their chargers are at home going against Gardner Minshew. I like the young man to get his first win of the year. And then Monday night, Bears at Rams, prime time. 
Aaron Donald eats against Nick Foles. I know the Bears are legit. I don't want to disrespect them. Rams bounce back in prime time uh, with a home victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, apologies for some of the fans uh, for me cutting off those games. Uh, just quickly, I think that the Bears might win that one. I think that they may get um, uh, L.A. again. This might be one of those ones where they got knocked down and they just kind of take them for granted and they do a really slow, methodical game where they run the ball, uh, let Nick Foles kind of game manage the game, and then the defense just wreak havoc on uh, Jared Goff. So I can see actually uh, the Bears winning that one. But we want to get into the real marquee games. Hopefully, we'll see. We don't even know really if the Las Vegas Raiders will be playing on Sunday. But if not, we'll detail the Raiders, like I stated, Las Vegas. And we're also going to detail the San Francisco 49ers in week seven. What will these teams need to do to pull off a win against two daunting teams? Very daunting task, really. And what will you see and what can they do to establish, you know, the right path and from week seven and on? We'll get into all of that on the other side. It's the Great Debaters, Mike and Derek. See you soon. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one person front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one love, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip would probably make me flip. See my name in the hieroglyphs, like Osiris and Isis. Parables written inside papyruses, acknowledge it. We've been all tricked, time to come out of it. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One I duck. Could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cop again. Bus stop glass burst. A fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out as I duck back. Forget getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rat to the death of it. To everybody, come home. Little brothers is grown. The rats don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Tip from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chasing street sweepers and coppers. Stick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to fly. We are back. Great debater show. Mike Snow, Derek Chun, taking you up to the second segment of week seven for the San Francisco 49ers and the Las Vegas Raiders. So let's start with the San Francisco 49ers. First off, week six, great win against the LA Rams. I mean, pretty much shut the naysayers up, at least for one week, around the Kyle versus Jimmy, or does Kyle trust Jimmy, or Jimmy has lost everything kind of uh talk that's been out here definitely in the NFL and in the Bay Area where we're staying amongst friends. I mean, people have been wanting to get the pitchforks and get the fire and really burn Jimmy G just on how he's looked over pretty much in that Miami game, really, because he's actually having, you know, a pretty successful season, a pretty good season for Jimmy G. He's had a high ankle sprain, so he's dealing with that, but he was able to pretty much control the rock they ran the ball. They ran Raheem Mostert as much as they should have. 17 carries. He ended up getting a high ankle sprain, so maybe they shouldn't have ran him as many times as I thought they should have. But I thought that that was one of the keys to the victory, that they stuck with the run, and not only stuck with the run, but stuck with Raheem Mostert running the ball. I mean, he is actually – pro football focus has him as the number one running back in the league right now. So an extreme deadly weapon that the San Francisco 49ers have at their disposal – Unfortunately, they will not have them at his disposal this Sunday against the mad genius, the hoodie, Bill Belichick. So what can Shanahan do against the mad genius to secure a victory on Sunday for the San Francisco 49ers, Derek? Congratulations. 
Well, first, I want to get into that. That was going to be my congratulate of the week. And I want to congratulate not Jimmy Garoppolo, but Kyle Shanahan for a flawless game plan. Now, I know Jimmy went out there and executed it, but I think the big story is not Jimmy Garoppolo and his stats. Kyle put him in positions to be successful, low risk throws, getting guys into space. But I think the bigger tell of the game was no sacks given up. They were able to get the ball out of Jimmy's hands quick. They obviously game planned around number 99, Aaron Donald. So I want to congratulate Kyle Shanahan for the flawless game plan against the Rams. But now it is time to move on to New England. Lots to talk about in this game. I mean, when you look at, you know, some of the storylines, you got Jimmy going back to New England, which is the team that gave him his shot and, you know, might have something to prove there. Uh, to Bill Belichick. And I'm sure Jimmy was happy with the way that the trade worked out. He was in the Super Bowl last year himself and got a chance to take a team over. But now looking at the two and three New England Patriots, I think that Jimmy gets an opportunity to kind of show Bill what he's all about. And I know that Bill is, is you know, what he's going to do is he's going to want to take away what you do best. And as you already talked about, there's going to be no Mostert. So we know there's going to be, you know, a heavy game plan around George Kittle which is what Bill did against the Raiders and Darren Waller. But I think the Niners, one thing I like about going back East and playing in this game is the fact that it's a one o'clock game and not an early game. I think that the keys to victory though, are going to be establishing the run, sticking with the run. And even bigger than that, making Cam Newton throw the ball. If the Niner defense can shut the run down, force Cam to have to throw, I like the Niners in this game. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. It, it, you know, Bill Belichick is going to try to take something away. He's going to try to take away what you do well and blanket it the whole game. And, you know, what is that for the 49ers? This is the run game. We know Raheem, Raheem Mostert probably is the turn and, and the cog to the actual, you know, the, the train or the truck that is the San Francisco 49ers offense, one of the best in the league, actually, their offense uh, passing and running. But he won't be there. But you still got your Michael Hasty. You still got, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. You still got Jet McKinnon, you know, to throw out there. But we all kind of think, and he's done it to almost every tight end, that he's going to try to take that tight end away. He's going to try to take away number 85. I mean, trust and believe with the game with the Las Vegas Raiders coming into it, we have great running, but Darren Waller kind of makes – he turns the butter. He only had two catches for nine yards in the game. I mean, he didn't get his first catch into the fourth quarter, and that probably was our worst game. He, being three and two, I would say the New England Patriot game was probably the worst game that we played so far this season. He's done that with every single tight end. I think in the games that they played, New England, uh, only tra Travis Kelsey has had over two catches. I think Travis Kelsey had three catches for 70 yards, but everybody else, every other tight end has had two catches or one catch, you know, against, you know, New England Patriots. So definitely he's going to do that. Jimmy's going to have to push the ball down the field. It just, I, I don't see it any other way. That's the only way I see the keys to victory for the San Francisco 49ers, even though that they're not a team that is predicated on pushing it down the field. And it sucks because, he makes you do things or makes you play almost left-handed. Or if you're left-handed, makes you play right-handed, you know, because he's going to take something away. and You're going to have to do something that's unconventional that you're not used to doing because he's going to take away those small bubble screens, those two and three yard passes to get yak. Now, I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have to be the X factor in this game. Get him on some crossing routes to where he's crossing and he's getting up the field and he's being able to get some of that yak, you know, Debo Samuel. Get him in the passing game. And Kendrick Bourne, you're definitely going to have to do something in this game. You can't be inconsistent like you have been. He's good sometimes, and sometimes he'll drop the ball. You can't be this time. You might have to go down the field. They might have to surprise him, catch him off guard. But definitely the San Francisco 49er defense is going to have to contain Cam Newton. That's going to be public enemy number one. That's going to be the first thing on the board, the chalkboard for Robert Solomon. And I want to get into, cue to the music, Tony, cue the music for the debate, because I want to debate right now. Cue the music. Derek, I want to get into, as a debate, Robert Sala. I've been kind of critical of this guy 
and how he's put things together. I'm not sure if it's been him as far as the scheme or it's been that he's had all world players such as a Nick Bosa, D Ford or Richard Sherman, you know, plucking and Emmanuel Mosley, you know, having him play well and just, you know, the one that I really want to actually for last week's game, congratulate cue the music DJ Tony cue the music on, on congratulations. Congratulations. I want to congratulate Jason Burnett. He showed up and was the top defensive player of the week last week. He seemed to be all over the field. I mean, stopping anything that came his way, got an interception, which actually turned to be key in the game because it kept, the L.A. Rams from scoring, kept him out of the end zone, created a turnover. You know, he's been lights out. I mean, a guy that used to be a pro bowler, had numerous injuries, knee injuries, ACL tears, has been in and out of the league. When he first came to the San Francisco 49ers, got burnt on a play, had a, a, a play action. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not a play action, uh, pass interference against him and then went out for an injury. But this year he's been lights out. One of the best players on your team. But. What I actually want to debate is, can Robert Sala stop the Patriots from scoring 20 points, and can he contain Cam Newton? Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. I think that obviously, like I mentioned, the key to the game is going to be making Cam throw the ball. Now, can Sala hold them to 20 points or less? Well, let's start here. The Niners are allowing 21.7 points per game so far this year so we're not far off from there you look at the Patriots offense they're only averaging 21.8 points per game this year so you're looking at something that's right around that but that would be over 20 I tell you what the thing with the Patriots that we have to understand is Bill Belichick is the mastermind he's he's the guru But this is not that same Patriot team. These Patriots do not have the weapons that some of the teams did in the past, nor do they have the quarterback. Now, taking nothing away from Cam Newton, because we all know it's been the mobile quarterbacks that have been given the Niners problems. But the system that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are used to running was built around Tom Brady. And now they're going into a whole new system. On top of that, you're talking about Cam Newton, who is still recovering and getting over his COVID diagnosis and the team had Stefan Gilmore on the COVID list and they had, you know, some practice squad guys. So we're talking about a team that over the last couple of weeks has not practiced that much and has not practiced that much together. So I don't see this offense being lethal. They did not score their first touchdown until late in the game against Denver. I know they're at home, but I'm going to go with, yes, Robert Sala will hold this new England Patriots team to 20 points or less this Sunday in Foxborough? I don't think he has a chance to do it. Um, I just don't believe in him as far as with the mobile quarterback. I mean, it's reared his ugly head um, in the Super Bowl, even though a lot of people don't kind of see Patrick Mahomes as a mobile running quarterback. He is very much a mobile quarterback. He actually does a lot of his damage getting out of the pocket, and they just weren't able to contain him. Um, He wasn't able to contain Kyler Murray in the first game of this season um, and led to the reason why they ended up losing, you know, with Kyler Murray running for 90 yards and then the running backs also running for 90 yards. Um, He wasn't able to keep Carson Wentz, another quarterback that's not really considered a real mobile quarterback, but actually is a more mobile quarterback. Wasn't able to keep him in the pocket. Um, We'll see what he does. You know, I, I have a problem. Once again, I seen him blitz. Fred Warner, and I've been saying that since the beginning, to stop blitzing Fred Warner or Quan Alexander. It seems like everything wrong happens uh, when they do it. He did it again against the Rams where he blitzes uh, Fred Warner. Jared Goff, I believe, runs for a first down, which you never see. But on a blitz, he gets out the pocket, he runs for a first down. Now, it looked like Sala kind of wised up and, and began to act like Fred Warner was going to blitz on certain third downs, and then he shot off into a zone or into man, which proved to be a better play. But he has to get out of his own mind. He has to stop blitzing. Definitely don't want to blitz Cam Newton. He's very lethal out of the pocket and on blitz. You don't want to blitz him, uh, but you want to keep him in the pocket, like you said. You want him to throw. You know, you want to put seven and eight almost in coverage. And I'm not sure if 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 Sala will do it. Um, hopefully, he will. 
Um, he's had a bad record, though, just with the mobile quarterbacks um, being in his division and just overall, I'm not sure if he's able to get over that. You may see Cam Newton have a, a, an awesome day. He might have over 100 yards rushing and having like 200 yards receiving with like two or three touchdowns rushing too. So that's kind of how I see where Robert Sala is. Hopefully he isn't. Now, if he, he's able to contain him, the game's over. You know what I mean? Like they'll easily beat him. If he can contain Cam Newton, that's really the key to the game. Even if, if Shanahan is kind of shut down, if he's able to contain Cam Newton, the 49ers will win easily. If he doesn't, you'll see that's where the game will, will pretty much hold and, and will ride to. So that's pretty much all I have with that. Let's get quickly into the Raiders. We got the Las Vegas Raiders. We now have a report that Trent Brown yesterday was put on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, he's got COVID-19. They ended up sending all five of the offensive linemen home for the game and Jonathan Abram, I guess, through contact tracing um, to see if uh, they would play or it would not play. Uh, word was if they were to get negative results, um, they would be able to play as soon as Saturday and they would be able to play for Sunday. Derek just stated that now it looks like all five of the, the starting offensive linemen um, will be on the COVID list. This is bad news for the Raiders. This is the top part of the Raiders team. This is the nucleus of the team is the offensive line. This is how we've been able to get to three and two and, and get those three wins through bullying other teams with the offensive line um, and then not being able to stop our run or our pass. If we don't have our start line in, um, this is just going to be a field day for a Bucks team that is uh, scary. You talk about, you know, Halloween and all that coming up. Well, the Bucks team, you know, looks like a, a menacing horror flick. They got, you know, their linebackers, Devin White and Levante David, is pretty much Freddie, <laughs> uh, Michael Myers, Jason. You know, they're everywhere. Like, you know, in the movies where you go and you see the person running in the movies away from the 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 killer, and then the killer's right in front of their face. Like they you know, like he seems to be everywhere. And that's how it seems with these two linebackers. I mean, they're great, you know what I mean? They're second in interceptions, second as far as defense and average yards per carry, you were talking about the uh, the Steelers and their average yards per carry. Well, they only give up um, three yards a carry on rushes average, you know, so you're not going to rush. They're the best rushing defense in the league, you know, with our offense being predicated around Josh Jacobs and our offensive line to not have that. Um, I definitely hope that they just postpone the game, but if they don't postpone the game, Derek, where do you see, as far as in the matchups and the and the keys to victory for the Raiders? Well, I think it, you know, I, I do think they are going to postpone the game. I think they're going to have no choice. And I, so. I, you know, it's really hard because going over this game before all of these developments, um, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's a primetime game with a lot of history. Gruden versus Tom and not going against Tom on the Patriots, but Tom against John's former team, the team that he won a Super Bowl with, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this was really exciting. This was a game I was excited for going into prime time. The Raiders are coming off the bye, so we know that they have been able to prepare for Tampa. And even though with the COVID situation, it doesn't look like they're going to get to practice with their starting offensive line, they have had some time to watch film and game plan for Tampa Bay. I think that if the Raiders can stick to their game plan, if they can establish the run with Jocks Jacobs and get the ball to Darren Waller, I think that that's the objective of every team is you want to get the ball in your best player's hands and allow them to make plays. If the Raiders can do those two things, I think that they can win this game. Now, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's great, but he's no Bill Belichick. So they are not going to be scheming up the same way. I like Tampa's defense, but the Bucs have also, they, they've been kind of hit and miss this year. And, you know, it seems like when they got it together, they're world beaters. But if not, there just seems to be some dysfunction there where things are not clicking. The Raiders were able to get pressure on Mahomes. If we see that same Raider pass rush that we saw against the Chiefs, I do like the Raiders in this game. But ultimately, with all of the new developments and the things that are going on, I hate to say it, but I'm going to have to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's no way that I could even um, logically make a case for the Raiders to win this game if the offensive line, starting offensive line, does not play. 
I could have made a case that even if Trent Brown didn't play, that we could possibly win. And that's just because Trent Brown hasn't played much for the Raiders this season anyway. Um, up until last week, he had only played three snaps. And then there was a lot of actually talk and rumors that if he was even really all the way in with the Raiders and he might've wanted out too. So there was talk around that rumor stating that he might not have even, even been in with what the Raiders were doing in the scheme. So that was just kind of like a real bad thing to hear, but a great thing to see him kind of back out there against the chiefs only for him to now have COVID and possibly have contaminated the whole offensive line. And they may all have COVID and all will be on the list now. Maybe they're on there just because they come in contact with, with him, but we never know. I definitely want them to postpone this game. I guess if they don't, um, I there's there's nothing I can see because really the key to the game for me is bully ball. Who's going to be the bully in the game? Will it be the Raiders offensive line or will it be the Tampa Bay defensive line and actually defense as a whole? They, like I said, are, is the best rushing defense in the league. But since Vita Vea, went down with injury, which he was like, I believe, second or third on pro football focus as far as interior linemen in the league. So that was a big blow for them to lose him as far as keeping up that rush defense. But then you still have the boogeyman, Devin White and Levante David, but their cornerbacks and their secondary is really young and they can be exposed easily, you know, but without having that offensive line, I, I just don't see how they don't you know, terrorize Derek Carr the whole game, you know, four or five sacks. He'd probably throw two interceptions. There's no way that we win this game without having our starting five. Like I said, maybe one, we've already been without Trent Brown for quite some time. We actually even, you know, his backup Sam Young played um, admirable when he was in. He just played 15 snaps and then he got injured. Then we had to bring in Denzel Good, which is actually a guard. And he played well, but got injured too, you know, games down the road. So we do have backups. We do have things in plan that if Trent Brown wasn't able to play, we would still be able to keep our menacing, bully-like attitude with the offensive line in our offense. But without our starting five, there's no way the Raiders win this game. Um, I'm not sure if I want to watch it. Obviously, the powers that be didn't think that it was a primetime game. They already flexed it into a one o'clock game probably due to the COVID, um, you know, scare and the COVID kind of issue that is happening with the Raiders. So this is not a good thing. This is not a good day as far as for Raiders. Um, you know, hopefully we can come back from it, you know, even if we do play this game. But this is definitely a loss on our, 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 uh, our schedule and our standings if we don't have the starting office line. So that's pretty much it with that, man. I don't even want to go no more with that. I, yeah, totally no, like and, and, and depressing. You, no, and and yeah, I'm definitely gutted for Raider fans and, and for football fans because this was going to be a marquee game. I do think it can get pushed back. The way that the COVID list works is once you get put on the list, you have to have five days in quarantine, and then from there you can test. Uh, they backdate everything to Monday, the last time they were together for film. Uh, you know, they get the day off Tuesday. So that would put everybody on track to potentially be cleared Sunday. But I think that's just a little bit too soon. And it, it looks like that is why the NFL bumped the game up is they needed to protect the time, you know, the time slot for the primetime Sunday night game. So they went ahead and flexed the Seahawks and Arizona over the Raiders. I think the game can get postponed by a day or two. I mean, I think they'll end up taking the short end of the stick here, but they were coming off the bye. The Bucks after this Sunday, we're not going to play again until Monday night football against the Giants. So they can still get a full week of, of you know, off days in uh, before their next contest. I shouldn't say off days, but, you know, your, your normal one week if they push it to Monday, even potentially pushing it till Tuesday. Again, the Bucks don't play until Monday. Yes, the Raiders would be on a short week at that time, but I think that's going to be the NFL's way of punishing teams that have the COVID is, hey, you don't get as much practice time, as much preparation time. You're going to have to deal with it. You know, it's 2020. These are the circumstances that we're in. So I do still think that the game will go off in some way. I just hope it does not go off Sunday. I just, you know, nobody wants to watch a game where a team's starting offensive line is down, especially against a Tampa Bay Bucks defense that's been playing the way that they are. Yeah, most definitely, man. And, and even, you know, if it gets pushed back, if the starting line is able to play, 
And we've seen, you know, the Tennessee Titans go almost, what, a week or two without playing or practicing. Yep. And then they came right out and, and bludgeoned the, uh, the Buffalo Bills. So Handle business. Handle business. So definitely it could be done. But if we're going to, you know, be with our hands tied behind our backs, not having our offensive line, it's not going to be a good game for the Raiders. There's no way we can win it, you know. So we definitely need all our horses in the stable to try to win the race, you know. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully everything works out. Hopefully it's pushed back and postponed and we get a great, you know, game between John Gruden, Tom Brady, you know, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he has ties to both teams. I mean, actually might have been the reason why he came back because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, put him in the ring of honor as far as their Hall of Fame. Uh, I want to say a couple of years ago, and, and you could see when that happened for him, it was very emotional. But it also, I think, fueled the fire with him wanting to get back into coaching. So uh, shout out to Tampa Bay for doing that. Hopefully the Vegas Raiders will put him in the Hall of Fame after he wins the Super Bowl for us sometime soon in the near future, man. But that's it. That's all we got for today, man. Great show once again, Derek. Always loving, you know, to be on with you anytime, man. You have any last words or, you know, things you want to say right before we get out? Uh, no, just a pleasure as always. And hopefully next week uh, we get an opportunity to talk about, you know, a San Francisco 49er and a Las Vegas Raider win. And uh, be on the lookout for our future episodes uh, with the Fact Center. The five of us have been getting together and cooking up just like the boy Russ and mm -hmm. um, putting out some fire there. So look out for the five of us, Tony, Drea, and Cy, myself and Mike, coming together for the Fan Factor Five. And we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. And Mike, man, you know, good luck this weekend with the Raiders and, um, you know, looking forward to talking some football again. For sure, man. Likewise with the 49ers, just like Derek was saying, I just wanted to piggyback and reiterate, go check us out on Spotify. You'll catch us at Fan Factive 5, you know, um, Sport Cat. Well, actually, that's all you have to look for is Fan Factive 5. You can check us out, the great debaters, and check out our cohorts, our friends our partners our colleagues the fact center you got Cy, factory effects tony dj tone lope you know swiss army night got all the the takes got the information got everything for you can do it all and the queen of podcast drea you know she's gonna give you the sports spice so check them out too fact center it's on the sports cast find us on spotify we're the great debaters we're out you know see you soon for week eight yada
she mine, she trying to get the best of me. Uh, I blow a couple for the fuck of it. She busting, I ain't fucking it. She lucky just to touch a bitch. She's lucky that I'm cutting it. Love me more cause I bustle it. Total disrespect, no regard for her husband. You got back, I'm 400 miles away. Sunset, knock or something, bounce back to the bag. To the trap jump from the jump, I don't let him escape. Go gorilla, gotta get it, spectator what parade. I'm in the street, sitting on the wheels, nigga, I'm on one. 550 Bonneville, nigga, I'm on one. Cardi fifth and half a year, nigga, I'm on one. They can get it, man, it's far from the fake Been known for rocking mics, respected in 04 My team, they know what's up The mothers, they close doors I'll take you to a place you never tried to go Burberry waterfront where niggas is getting dough You never seen a young player like Maine Kaki in his own way, he's far from being lame No games the base shall be changed From niggas who stepped up, who's known as the team Start from the bottom, reach the top. Most niggas, they start from the bottom, then they flop. Reach for a mind, clean, act up. The four-fifth concealed for niggas who act up. I'm in the scrape, sitting on the 